0: Welcome to the Engaged Prospect podcast. My name is Dan Hirsch and I'm founder and president of Engaged Prospect. And today I have with me a special guest. Her name is Deb Calvert. Deb is president of People First Productivity Solutions. And in in Deb's past, she has been director of sales training. She's an instructor at uh, an organization called UC Berkeley, which focused on sales development principles. She's the founder of the Sales Expert Channel, recently inducted into the Sales Hall of Fame from Badger Maps. We will certainly get into that. And if I can add two more things, Deb is also a published author of two books. Her, um, her work in sales and understanding your buyer and understanding how to Help the sales profession is is profound, and I'm really happy to have you on the show, Deb. Thanks for joining us,
1: Dan. Thank you. It's really a pleasure to be here with your audience. Well,
0: cool. we are very happy to have you. So, so tell me a little bit about your background. I obviously just gave gave a little overview, but um, I didn't really get all that much into what what your businesses do or or your two books, which. The titles of and i'm sure we'll be discussing a few times but discover questions and also i think you were co-author of stop selling and start leading is that are those the two books we're talking about
1: those are the two books yes there are several ebooks and other uh, blogs and works out there but those are the two that are best known and easiest to find
0: my goodness how have you how have you had time through your career to to maintain focus. You've done so many things so far. That's quite impressive.
1: Um, I, I'm restless. I don't like to be idle. <laughs> and So, you know, I've picked up along the way opportunities, like you mentioned, teaching at uh, University of California at Berkeley, that was uh, a natural extension of some of the buyer research and work that I was doing at the time with sales development and business development reps in, in big companies out in Silicon Valley. And uh, when I started my company, People First Productivity Solutions 15 years ago, I I intentionally wanted to work not just in the domain of of sales, but I also had done a lot of work in leadership and in team effectiveness at a Fortune 500 company and wanted to blend those different disciplines together. So the work we do, it has more in common than, than it might sound like at first. We're all about getting people connected. And the research that I do, the works that I write, the, the connections that I make are primarily about helping people make better connections with others in the workplace.
0: How did all of, all of that passion start for you? It, it seems like those, those are two logical connected disciplines. That, that makes sense to me. But how, how do you think that all came about over your career?
1: Well, I do think it's a, a bit of a dysfunction that I have. Um, I Back in high school, when we went to orientation, entering into high school, they had all the tables set up with all the different clubs. And I said I wanted to do basically all of them, all of the honor societies. I wanted to be in Quill and Scroll and Thespians and National Forensics League. And people said, no, no, you, you have to choose. You can't be so heavily involved in both journalism and debate and theater. You, You have to pick and sports (laughs) and um and i said you know i don't i don't want to pick i want to try it all and do it all and that's been i've had that kind of curiosity and appetite all my life and and that's just um something i like to do it's not for everyone i i certainly understand the driving theory behind pick a niche make it tight go deep instead of broad but i find that i can cross pollinate ideas and and create value by bringing multiple disciplines together. And I'm not the right solution that that approach is not appropriate for every client, but it is for some. And we tend to find each other.
0: That's fantastic. So I I want to get into certainly some of the, the content that you create and share and train on. But tell us, tell us also with, with people's first, a little bit about of the services just to frame the audience's mind Um, I know you you train you speak obviously you write tell us a little bit about what the business does and what your day-to-day kind of looks like
1: sure Um, well so high-level people first productivity solutions has three branches and those are sales productivity leadership development and team effectiveness We have training programs that I've designed in each one of those, and drilling it down further, we have industry-specific versions, for example, of the Discover Questions training course. There are multiple versions for mortgage banking, insurance, pharmaceutical, media sales, and those are largely trained by people who come from within those industries. So, I have a cadre of of consultants and, and trainers who fulfill that work, and what I do is I am sort of the um, face of the company. I do a lot of keynote speaking. I do writing. I do webinars. I create videos to put on the, the YouTube channel. And I continually am designing uh, new materials because I also have that, that background as a trainer in instructional design and making sure that the, the things we create are sensible and that they are truly driving a, a learning outcome.
0: That's awesome. I, so, so, you know, there's some tie in to what our business does and, and you just described um, a little bit of my day. We're, we're in the early stages of developing a a more formalized training solution that we offer in addition to just building and, and managing sales teams. And I love how you just framed that. It sounds, it sounds very similar to what I'd like to like to see in the future. And, um, Um, I'm glad to know that that you're out there doing it. The the industry specific content, I think, is brilliant. So congrats on that and being able to recruit and and build relationships with um, subject matter experts had to have been a lot of fun for you, but also, I think, probably really rewarding as well. Your your customers get not only excellent sales and leadership training from people that know sales and leadership, but also focus specifically on those industries is, is probably a great a great thing for your customers.
1: It is. And you know, selfishly I, I benefit too. I get to learn about industries I've never been a part of, the lingo, the the challenges that they have, the uh, go-to-market strategies. And there are times when I can go into a, a certain industry or company and say, well, have you ever thought about? And it's completely unique to them because we all tend to get a bit insulated in the echo chambers of of what's closest to us and so that cross-pollination is something that uh, distinguishes what we what we do
0: really cool so let's let's do uh let's do a game play a game here do an exercise Mm. tell me let's pick one of those industries um you don't have to just have it in your mind uh it's not going to be a magic trick i promise i won't tell you what you're thinking (laughs) but pick Pick one of those industries, and obviously, you know, we, we've all heard, and, and anyone in the sales profession has been trained on the importance of asking questions. Um, that's pretty common in the sales world, but it's also probably one of the biggest challenges that most people face. Um, you wrote a book called Discover Questions. And I know you have a ton of other resources around this topic. Why, why is asking questions so important? What have, you, what have you found through your research and work implementing um, the things you wrote in your book? And then we'll get to the, an industry-specific example, if that's okay. But tell, tell us, like, just in general, why are questions so darn important from your perspective?
1: Okay, well, cool roadmap. I like where we're going. Um, I have to go way back to answer that question. I have always been a big question asker. I told you I was into journalism and debate. The reason I liked those two things is because they were places where you got permission. It was rewarded and valuable to ask questions. And then I became a salesperson. I was an inside salesperson taking ads back in the days when newspapers were still a big deal. And um, I, I took ads that people were calling in to, to give us, but then one day I got promoted, and I was still in inside sales, but I had no call-ins anymore. It was purely outbound, and and that was an overnight switch. So I went to look for books on selling at the library. The one and only book I found in my library about selling was Spin Selling, which of course is about types of questions, and I loved it. I just I devoured that book. It, it was truly the right launch for what I was trying to do when I became this outbound phone seller. But only four types of questions, and I realized there were other questions that were good, but they didn't fit those those four types. So that started what has now been an over 25-year research project of identifying the purpose, the reason why we ask a question. And Discover is an acronym. There actually are only eight purposes, and I'm not talking just in sales. I'm talking in all of life. There are only eight purposes or reasons that we ask a question, and the letters in DISCOVER each stand for one of those purposes. Um, I'll tell you a confession, Dan. um, At first, I held back a long time on launching the training and later the book because I really thought it would be cool to have the word discovery as my acronym, and so I kept looking for this elusive ninth type of question. And then one day I went, you know, discover's a word too. <laughs> so uh, there are only eight. <laughs>
0: um, I, I'm so glad you came to that realization. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I challenge people. I say, look, if you ever come up with something that doesn't fit in these eight types, please, let's talk about it. I'm open to defining the the why and making it discovery. But it hasn't happened.
0: Yeah. and And... And please if you're going to find something that that if you're going to find the ninth type please make it begin with a y. <laughs> yeah.
1: Oh we'll make up a word. We'll do whatever we have to do.
0: <laughs> That's right. Um, That's perfect.
1: Yeah. So questions are important because they create value. They're important because they create an experience between you and your buyer. They're important because there's nothing else that, that can so quickly create a rapport and trust and demonstrate that you have a genuine interest in someone else. And this isn't me making this up. This is now this 25 years of research because it's been with sellers in a wide variety of sales organizations and with their buyers uh, being interviewed and, and giving us feedback on the questions that were asked. And when sellers learn to, to mix up the, the purposes they have a a bigger tool set of kinds of questions they can ask, they become more efficient and therefore they become more effective between the relationship and the bond they're creating and this efficiency with better questions. It it just makes selling so much easier and so much more impactful for both the buyer and the seller. So I think I got up to the third point. You wanna give me an industry specific question, I'm ready.
0: You, you did. Yeah. And, and I, I will get there, but I have a, I have a, a sub question based on some of your responses. So, so if you had to define in one sentence or two sentences, if you want to, if you want to cheat, that's okay. Um, one, one or two sentences, what, what is the role of a salesperson from your perspective?
1: The word selling means to meet a need. The word buying means to have a need fulfilled. I mean, those are like the original word origins, meaning that the role of the salesperson is to intersect where there's a need. Yeah, so sales is meeting a need and buying is getting your need fulfilled. Sales and the job of a seller is to intersect right there where the need can be met.
0: So based on, based on your your research and your books and your, your experience in the field, your experience on the phones, you know, you have a, a wealth of knowledge. It seems to me that in order to, and this is super leading, of course, because I'm on your, I'm on your team when it comes to asking questions, but it, it seems like you can't be an effective salesperson and help somebody meet a need if you don't know what their needs are. Is that a fair statement?
1: I think so. I I mean, look at the products that practically sell themselves like uh, the latest iPhone. But when you go into the Apple store, they do a very good job. The Apple geniuses do a very good job of asking you questions to specifically understand what you need, what you want, what you'd like to see different.
0: That's absolutely right. We, we do a lot of business-to-business sales with pretty complex solutions, and um, too often I see sales reps get stuck in the habits of trying to get one or two... You, you even mentioned this earlier of like, what are the questions for, right? I see it way too often where people try to get, try to, get to an answer that they want as opposed to exploring the honest truth of the buyer, and that certainly can lead to problems.
1: Absolutely, and part of that confusion is that people in selling often are not trained to know the difference between discovery and qualification. Qualifying your buyer is one thing, and, and sure, it's important, but discovering their needs is every bit as important, and that uh, when you do that elegantly, you can do the two things at the same time and the buyer won't feel like they're being qualified or uh, they won't feel like they're being backed up into a corner. Let's do something with the media industry. That's where I come from. Originally, I've worked firsthand with over 350 media companies and it's hard over there because that whole world has been extremely disrupted.
0: Interesting. Okay. So for perspective, I, that, that's a, an industry I did not think you would add, you would bring up. So, are we talking like advertising for for the media stations and for for websites and newspapers, or are we talking a different type of sales? Fill, fill me in there.
1: Yeah, it, it is uh, largely the same. So, um, but but I think that's the easiest place for most people to identify. Small business owners have all been called on by newspaper, radio, cable billboard uh, reps so yeah let's do that
0: okay so so what kind of so so how do you do it i i could certainly ask some questions but how what do you do when you work with a media organization who needs to increase revenue from ad sales um there has to be i'm sure a lot of general questions that all industries would ask and then i'm sure there's specific um challenges and pain points that media sales folks are asking? How how do you kind of approach that? Okay,
1: well I'll tell you that the what we have to overcome is in that industry uh, quite often is the pounce syndrome. And pounce syndrome is you walk into a business or you call them up and and you ask, you know, what are some of the challenges that you're facing? And as soon as you get even the glimmer of a problem, you pounce on it. Oh, well, you know we can do XYZ, and that would help you. and maybe it was uh, this person just said it's a challenge because it's the first thing that came to mind or the one that was right in front of them at the moment. Maybe it's something that advertising would solve or maybe it's not. Uh, but the pounce syndrome completely takes away from discovery around the real value, the hierarchy of needs, the deeper level, more meaningful solution that you could create. and It happens because inside media organizations, there are products du jour. Today, it's this digital product. Tomorrow, it's this event. Uh, Next week, it happens to be the special section that we're going to be running in the newspaper. And there are so many products all the time and so much pressure to make a, a goal, a quota within a product, that it takes salespeople away from that focus on the needs, the true needs of their customers.
0: The pounce syndrome, I've never heard of that. And as you're describing it, I fall into that trap quite often myself.
1: Well, the discipline for that is to ask another question. As soon as you hear a need and your adrenaline starts racing and you get all excited because you know there's an answer you could provide, instead, to be able to say something like, hmm, tell me more about that. Why, Why is that important to you? You're going to get depth of information. You're going to find out if it was just sort of a, a throwaway comment. Oftentimes, the first thing a brand new contact gives you is, is nothing more than a than a test. Maybe they didn't think of it that way, but it, but it was. And to be able to demonstrate your empathy and your interest, your patience, your ability to, to and desire to truly understand that business will take you a lot farther. And I know it sounds like it's going to take longer, but the truth is, what takes the longest is having to, to make 10 calls instead of two calls, to have to dance around topics instead of getting straight to them, to go on these wild fishing expeditions that yield little or nothing versus true, genuine conversations.
0: That's really fascinating. So how do you how do you help your customers and your readers and the folks in your audiences understand? Like, do you do you map out questions that are are common? Like, if they say this, you could throw one of these few questions at them, or is it is it more soft skill and kind of um, mentality that you're teaching? Talk to us about kind of how you do it.
1: Yeah, I'm actually opposed to having scripted questions. They're fine for role plays and for practicing, but as soon as you give people a list of questions and put them on the phone or in front of a customer, they think the questions are somehow magically going to turn into something that they won't. It's not about surveying people. You've got to have good critical thinking. I need to know the purpose of my question I need to have good listening skills. I'm listening for the answer. I'm watching the uh, expression. I'm hearing the tone of voice so that I know when a natural follow-up question is what I need, and then I also know the purpose of my, my follow-up, and I've got to be taking some notes so that I can come back to the important points versus jumping in and interrupting Uh, to have those important points when I do come back with a solution so that I can say what you told me was blank, blank, blank in your own words. And that's why I'm recommending product ABC, because it will meet your need in this way. To to give the client back their own words because you listened so closely and you drilled down so deep. At at that point, you've got buy-in before you ever ask them to buy. They're co-creating that solution with you. And they're not going to say no to their own words and their own ideas the way they would to yours. So it's discipline. That The long answer to your question, it's a discipline that takes some practice.
0: It does take practice. Um, this will sound bizarre, but I, I think my best quality as a salesperson, personally, is the fact, <laughs> I don't even know how to phrase this in a way that won't embarrass myself to whoever might end up listening to this podcast. So, so I'm able somehow, maybe because I'm, I'm not that smart, maybe because I I am just a, an average Joe salt of the earth guy. I, I doubt that's actually true. My wife would probably tell you differently, but um, I'm able to dumb it down in my own head and trick myself into being curious, right? Like even if I'm, and usually I am. I'm like, tell me more. This is really interesting. Learning about your business or learning about your man, your challenges are crazy, right? Like I can convince myself of that in a conversation. But I also think too often people like you, you mentioned it with 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 that acronym. What what the Pounce syndrome, right? Mm-hmm. Too too often we get to like Oh yeah, I've heard that a hundred times. So now I know exactly what to tell you to do because you need to increase visibility of your Western Pennsylvania organization or you need to increase visibility on your new iPhone. So obviously, yeah, Apple, you need a billboard, right? Like, cause that'll get you more visibility, but asking more questions and saying like, well, why, why do you think you need more visibility or tell me more about that? Would sometimes get to hidden, hidden mean, meanings and agendas and thoughts.
1: Absolutely, and see, that's a trick word in advertising. You'd be good in advertising sales, I can already tell, um, but it's a trick word. If I say, I need visibility, I need reach, I need exposure, even I need customers, right? Those are all, they, they're weak needs. We, we need to know why. What, if you had more visibility, what would that mean to you? And, and if you were to increase your customers by how many and, and what would those customers look like and what would those customers do for your business and who are the right customers? If I can get deeper and find out the outcome, I mean, who cares about visibility? It's meaningless. It's what that visibility gets you what those additional customers in the door bring to you, right? That's what we have to really get to if we're going to be talking in in terms of real value.
0: You probably see this in your business, but I I have a quick story about my business. So when we're talking about, when, when I'm talking to a prospect about some of their challenges, some of their goals, obviously our company is a sales organization that helps our clients get new customers, right? So, it's very often the case where I'll be in a conversation with somebody and tell them you know hey tell tell me more about you know s- some of your growth goals and and then the follow up questions might be challenges related to those growth goals and nine out of ten times the person will tell me they need to get more customers or they want to drive more revenue to grow their business and it's so easy to not ask follow up questions to that. Because, you know, truthfully speaking, and and breaking away from from your research and work, like, you could probably see, yeah, okay, it makes sense. You want to grow your company, because uh, most businesses want to grow their company and want to have more revenue, right? That's, that's common. But I, I have stumbled sometimes into saying, like, yeah, makes sense, Deb. Yeah, so so you you need to get more customers and increase revenue to grow your business. Great. Let me tell you about how we can help you. Instead of that, most times I will say, "How come?" or "Tell me more about that." Or, "Oh, great. So you're you're thinking of growing a little bit? Get you know, share with me some of your thoughts there." And the reason I bring this up is I have heard everything from, I need to get more users to my software so that um, my VC firm will open up more money for us. Mm -hmm. I need to, I need to prove out our, our market fit so that this investment company will give me my first set of money. I need to launch a new product and I can't use my existing sales team for it, but that's the only reason we're talking. I have heard, I want to sell my business in five years and the and now I compete directly with my brother. And upon further review, this guy wanted to kick his brother's butt when it came to business. And he wanted to grow faster than his brother. That was his only motivation around growing his company. And I never would have known.
1: Well, at that point, we get to partner with people right where they want to partner. Hey, okay, I've got an idea. Here's how you could outpace your brother Here's how we could make sure that you're set up so that um, you get that next round of funding. Here's how we can, whatever they said, right? We fill in the blank with what's important to them. That value is personal and you can be much more meaningful and relevant when you're talking about the things that truly matter to the buyer.
0: That's That's exactly right. That is exactly right. Okay, so, so Deb, we we're talking about questioning. We're talking about understanding buyer motivations, not assuming you know the answers on the first question or two. You, you've also written extensively and talked today even about the leadership role in buying and selling and how that influences buyers. Tell us, tell us what, you, what you mean there and some of your work in, in leadership.
1: Okay, well, this is one of those examples of cross-pollination. I have these three branches of my business and I used to operate pretty narrowly. So today's a day where I'm working with a sales client. Today's a day where I'm working with a leadership client. And over in that leadership space, I am well steeped and a student of uh, Jim Kuzis and Barry Posner. They are uh, the pioneers in the field of, of leadership development. Their work is seminal. You'll see it in just about any book you ever read on leadership. But I've worked closely with them and what I like about their work is that it talks about the behaviors, the proven evidence based behaviors of leaders that cause others to more willingly, eagerly choose to follow them. So one day I just thought, you know, I wonder what it would be like if sellers adopted those behaviors that are proven to be effective for leaders. And I took that idea to Jim and Barry, they were curious. They uh, were able to get a research study commission through Santa Clara University, and we interviewed, uh, had a, a complete Qualtrics panel study with uh, B2B buyers, and it revealed that buyers want sellers to show up as leaders. They, by far, they, they, they would be more willing to meet with, more willing to take calls from, more willing to buy from the sellers who demonstrated these very specific leadership behaviors. So then we did a seller side part of the research and it c- certainly bore out what we were finding. The sellers who were uh, experiencing their personal best at the times when they were making their most extraordinary sales, as they described those sales, they were acting as leaders much more than the typical stereotypical uh, seller kinds of behaviors we think of.
0: there's there's such a tie in you use the term cross pollination but there there is such a tie into leadership and being able to guide somebody's behavior and selling obviously um, the best leaders do it for the right reasons and and are able to be effective by by producing results and i don't know if that's a different twist on on looking at it that way but but buyers want results, right? That's why they're engaging with you in the first place. And a, a strong leader in a sales role, I can easily see the the tie-ins across the board of the work you've done. That's, that's awesome.
1: Well, thanks. And you used exactly the right word. Uh, the word lead means to guide. And that's what buyers want. They want a seller to guide them to a place they aren't able to get to on their own, a place they want to get to a place that is inspiring enough that they'll work hard to get there. That's what leaders do. And that's what sellers who step into their potential as a leader also do for their buyers.
0: So speaking of potential, we have just, just scratched the surface of all of the wonderful knowledge that you have in your brain and that you've also turned into great content and two books and a company that helps organizations all over the place grow. Tell Tell us how we can find you. And, and I want to really know where we can get your books, what kind of resources you have for the audience and for others out there looking to become better salespeople and better leaders. Tell us more about how we can get in touch with you.
1: Well, I do love to connect with people, and I hope people will find me on LinkedIn, Deb Calvert, People First Productivity Solutions. Let's connect there. If you'd like to have the books, they're on Amazon. Uh, My website, peoplefirstps.com, is loaded up with lots and lots of free content, blogs, infographics, videos, links to the YouTube channel. Uh, We Whatever you're looking for, you can probably find it there and if you can't, since you started by connecting with me on linkedin you'll you'll just tell me what you're looking for and I'll help you find it
0: I love it I absolutely love it and and the um the the books if I'm not mistaken and please tell me if I am but you have you have like a really good um in addition to the books a really good starter set of questions to help guide people that are just getting started and And those things as well as part of your resources, right?
1: Absolutely, yes. And those were developed by SDRs. But I will caution people, use them as a starting point to practice, to get the idea of of these eight purposes of asking questions, and then create your own and get yourself skilled in listening well and asking questions that follow the natural course of conversation.
0: Well, I can tell you that engaged prospect will give those a shot. We will certainly embrace the the discover um and if we can find a ninth, we will definitely tell you. But my guess is <laughs> all right my guess is you you know your stuff, and only eight exist so we We will try to poke holes in that for you awesome yeah it it was absolutely wonderful having you on the show. I know you are super busy these days and you have a lot going on, so I, I can't tell you how much I appreciate your time and your energy. And uh,
1: Well, it's a pleasure having been here with you, Dan, and with everybody who listens to Engaged Prospect. I love the work that you're doing to support sellers and organizations who need and good, solid, well-skilled inside Salesforce.
0: It's fantastic, and you are truly uh super knowledgeable about them. Thank you.
1: Thank you, Dan.
0: All right. You have a wonderful day. We'll talk soon.
1: (laughs) All right.